This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We love the opportunity to talk to folks who have uh, been in, in a situation where they've needed help uh, from Sands & Associates and gone to Blair's office and, and talked to somebody and figured this out. And, and that's what we're going to do right now. We've got Adam, who's a former client of Sands & Associates, on the line with us, uh, who's going to share his story with us. Adam, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Oh, you're very welcome, and thank you for having me. It's so important to give a voice and emotion to someone who's striving towards that financial fresh start that we talk about so often here on the show using a consumer proposal. Uh, so just know, if you have any hesitation at all, Adam, uh, you you never know how many people you're giving assistance to by telling your story, and we we just so appreciate this opportunity. Well, I hope I can. Uh, I, I hope I can help in, in any way I can to somebody that's actually listening and thinking about doing it. It's the best decision of my life. That's great, Adam. Oh, good. And, and yeah, Adam, it's almost since we started doing this show, it's really the past clients. I have people almost every week coming and saying, you know what, I saw myself in that situation. And to hear somebody to go through it and validate, you know, this is a, a good solution for folks, you know, that that's just, just excellent. Um, so Adam, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about the situation th- that brought you to Sands and Associates. Obviously, respecting your confidentiality will only, you know, disclose as much or as little as, as you as you feel like, but just wondering what you were facing, what life was like when you when you picked up the phone to give us a call. Well, uh, I, I can take the story back to 1994 mm. when my then girlfriend, now wife, was in a car accident and became permanently injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we were high school sweethearts, um, and we started collecting debt in the form of prescriptions because mm-hmm. at that time we didn't have any coverage. I right. was a uh, a lonely little line cook at the time, and. <laughs> Uh, and she was uh, in school to be a legal secretary, so we had no medical coverage, and her parents weren't supporting her, and so I took that upon myself. But what that did was put us behind the eight ball from the very beginning of our relationship. Wow. And, yeah. And, and since 1994, that's obviously a, a long time. And, you know, so many folks that, that I meet, you know, the right decision was obviously you buy the prescriptions and you deal with the consequences later. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you always try and, you know, it eventually turned into multiple credit cards, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul back and forth and with, with, with credit cards trying to keep that, uh, keep everybody happy and keep prescriptions going. And then, and then of course, um, young and, young and silly, uh, or young and dumb, um, you know, you sit there and go, okay, I have a little bit of extra credit. I need to go on a vacation or I want to go out for a nice dinner or I want to do X and which then puts you further behind the hole. So, about 10 years ago, we decided, okay, we're going to get out, of, get out of the hole. Okay. And with my wife being, my wife, well, probably more like 12 years ago, my wife was diagnosed with stage 4 endometriosis. Oh, wow. So yet again, uh, she in 10 years, uh, sorry, in 12 years, she had 10 surgeries and behind eight ball again and all this. Uh, it never worked out. Mm-hmm. And we finally came to the point uh, to, to a point where we sat there and went, 
enough's enough. Suck it up. Let's get this dealt with. Let's see what we can do to get this dealt with, and what are our best options? And we searched and found you. We then had a friend that was go- that went through a similar situation a long, long time ago and had dealt with you and said they were great. So we went. Oh, good. Yeah. How long do you think your your actual search went on for Adam? Where you from when you went? Okay, we have to do something about this. We can't live this way anymore. We need to take some action. What kind of period of time was that? Uh, about about six months. Okay. Uh, about six months because there was a lot of procrastination involved in that decision making process because of feeling embarrassed because of feeling uh, you didn't do what you were supposed to do in life. You're not supposed to go into debt. And here's the crazy thing, Adam, just from an outsider here, having just heard the first part of your story, none of the things that got you into the situation where you were in debt to a a significant amount was your fault. Like, not one piece of that was. No. Like, with, with my wife, we also, like, so with my wife, we also tried to get her on disability, but... Mm-hmm. We found out very shortly that uh, because she hadn't worked for four years full time contributing to CPP, she didn't qualify. And because mm-hmm. even though, even when I was a lonely line cook at the time, um, I made too much money for provincial disability. So the pro- the province said, hey, "You guys should get divorced, and then she'll get on disability." Oh my gosh. Talk about yeah. falling through the cracks, right? Oh, yes. You know, pe- Absolutely. You know, some Americans might think, oh, my God, there's no bankruptcies or proposals in Canada because of medical stuff because you guys have coverage. But no, <laughs> you know, your hospital is covered. But as you were saying, the prescriptions, you're, you're not the first person who, you know, they have to decide, do I go into debt or do I get prescriptions? Yeah. And, you know, you got to get the prescriptions. Physiotherapy four days a week, mm-hmm. you know, lots of extensive, yeah, no, that not, not all covered. Can you describe uh, the... This the situation the day that you went into Sands and Associates and sat down and started to explain your situation and started getting different answers that you'd never possibly realized you were going to get in terms of how to deal with this debt. Can you describe what that was like? Uh, well, sitting in the waiting room, very nervous. You feel like you're going to be judged. Mm-hmm. You feel uh, you've, you're totally uncomfortable. Uh, the next um, thing is when you start talking to somebody, uh, the feeling of not being judged, the person's there to help you, uh, just listening to the, just listening to the situation and going, okay, let's figure this out together and do the best we can with the situation that you have. Uh, And being respected. You you weren't being talked down to, you weren't being belittled, you weren't being in any way degraded that, that you're in this situation. It's all about help, and how can we help? It must have been a huge weight off of oh, both it, of your shoulders. It absolutely was. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, Adam, the words that, that you use about, you know, the apprehension of coming to the first meeting, that's just so on point to just about everyone that comes in the door. And we try not to let someone sit in the waiting room for long because we know they're so nervous, they're so worried, they don't know if they're walking into, you know, again, the most judgmental meeting of their life. And we know it's the opposite, but, you know, until, you, <laughs> until you've met with us, that that's the case. Because, you know, what I firmly believe is, you know, anybody is just, you know, a medical incident or, you know, some very bad life event away from needing our help. It might be me someday. So, um, you know, you need to, to approach it with that situation. There's no above or, or below a person. It's you're on the same level to help them. 
Yes, uh, I, I live my life by the golden rule, and mm. Sans definitely lives by the golden rule for everybody that we dealt with. That's yeah. nice. What was there anything that surprised you in your process with Sans and 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 working out the details and and then getting that fixed amount that you were going to be able to handle to pay each month? Uh, the, what I was surprised with was how you well I don't know exactly how to describe it. Basically, we gave all of our information. A letter was written, and the creditors came back and said yes. I thought there'd be a lot more. A lot more steps involved, yeah. a, a lot more negotiation, a lot more uh, effort needed to resolve the issue. It was much faster, much simpler, much more at ease than I thought it was going to be. And that, and that's great, Adam, because I was going to say, you know, I ex- explain proposals on this show a lot, but I'm so curious from your perspective, you know, how, how you would lay it out. And, and that's just great. You gave your information, we wrote an offer, and the offer was accepted. That's in a nutshell how a proposal works. Um, and I, I tell this to, to people who haven't done one before, it's 95% success rate. Our first offer is accepted 95%, and 99% of the time we get to a deal. So sometimes we have to negotiate, but it's very rarely we don't come to a really positive outcome here, and, you know, proof's in the pudding. Exactly. I don't know what you guys do on your side with that letter going out to the creditors <laughs> yeah. and, all that, but, and what negotiations happen on your side. But yeah. from my experience, I, I hand deliver I, it with a crowbar, but no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> oh dear. Would you say, um, or could you talk a little bit about what your experience, the impact that your experience has had on your financial habits and attitudes and, and how you go about uh, your world today, Adam? Uh, just for, for me, it's keeping a closer eye on the budget, mm-hmm. uh, completely close eye, um, Scrooge-like on the budget. <laughs> you, you really pay attention to what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, and with that said, I'm actually in the process of uh, taking a look at being an entrepreneur oh, and see, yeah. <laughs> so, so it, it's come into great, uh, the, everything that I've learned and every, all the help I got from Sands has gone into um, taking a look at, at, at all the financials that are involved and being very, very strict and very methodical about what I'm going to do because I don't want to end up in that place I was that's so good to hear because when folks sometimes embark on an entrepreneurial plan or an idea, um, the the methodology on how to stay on track and how to keep uh, costs in line sometimes goes out the window because you're just so darn excited about what it is you're you're about to embark on or as you're embarking on it. So what a, what a great uh, good advice for folks who are thinking in, in a similar way or, or wanting to take on something new and interesting. Absolutely. I, I just I, I would just suggest anybody that's trying to do it just think about all the people that were very successful in being an entrepreneur. It's all about dollars and cents. It's about mm-hmm. pennies. Yeah. If if you keep an eye on the pennies and you keep an eye on your stats, you should be good. Some uh, some very successful people have said uh, exactly that, Adam. You pay attention to the pennies and the nickels and the dimes and the quarters will take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And you're a very Absolutely. good company when you when you <laughs> saying something like that. What about for the person who's listening to you tell your story, uh, who's in a similar situation as you were? What kind of advice? What kind of uh, encouragement would you give them? 
Uh, take a deep breath and step. Uh, it, there is nothing that's going to happen going to Sands and Associates mm-hmm. that would be detrimental to your financial well-being. Uh, you're you're in a you're in a space right now where you're trying to keep your head above water, and all Sands is doing is throwing you a life preserver to help with that. If any of this is resonating with you, or you f- you're thinking that you're in a similar situation like Adam was, or or or, or fearful that you may be. Uh, or that the situations we talked about feel familiar. Sands and Associates, so easy to get a hold of them. Uh, the website is sands-trustee.com. And the website itself, that can be the first step for you. It's just filled with such good information, loads and loads of it. Very good questions with full answers for you uh, in things in terms of just checking out your own situation before you move forward. So easy to get a hold of them. They're 1-800 number 661-3030 to book that free consultation and to find an office near you. And more importantly, just like Adam, start living that debt-free life. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. There's lots of times in life when we need solutions, and some of those solutions are best left to the professionals. When it comes to money matters, for example, there are top four professionals that every financially successful person should know, and that's what we're going to talk about right now. Blair, who who are the top four people that we should know when it comes to looking after our finances mm-hmm. or dealing with our finances or if we're just going to start to deal with them? Who should we have on our who, who, in our toolbox? So yeah, to on, on your team and the yeah. quiver, all, 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 that, all, those, all those, all those, all those metaphors, whatever, right? <laughs> um, because, you know, Elaine, so many of my clients that come in to me, especially the self-employed folks, um, you know, they're really just searching for the right advisors, the right people to give them the right, you know, tools, right advice at the right time so that they don't get into trouble. Um, so I think today's segment is great because almost anybody listening here, if you're not aware of these professionals, you want to do a little bit of research, and certainly there are people in your life in in your life right now that probably could benefit from some help, even if it's not yourself. So let's go through, you know, kind of the, the top four. Not to say you know these are the only four, but no. um, these are definitely four that I think a lot of people tend to overlook, and it's to their detriment because there is benefit to working with these pros. Okay, number one person we should be thinking about. Number one person is a financial planner. See, and that can be scary for folks, right? Because they mm-hmm. think, oh, this person's out to get something for me. I'm going to yeah. have to pay them big feet. Blah blah blah. But why? Why is it so important to have a financial planner? Well, the the biggest thing that a financial planner is going to give you, and it's right in the name, is a financial plan. And the number of folks that are just, you know, essentially driving blind with no idea about financial goals, about where they want to end up in the future, um, you know, you're not going to hit your goals if you don't have them clearly defined, you're working towards them. So a financial planner, every good financial planner is going to set you up with a written financial plan that's going to have milestones, that's going to have check-ins, that's going to give you some comfort when you look at it, that if your goal is to retire at 60 with a certain, you know, private pension income, you know, here's what you have to do. If your goal is to take a year off in five years and travel the world, you know, here's what you have to do. You work with your financial planner to set goals, and they're going to help you get to achieve those goals in the best way possible. And if you feel it's a bit singular, like you're just thinking about yourself here, you can think mm-hmm. about it in a larger scale too. It's it's financial security for your family, yeah. if that's where your focus is. Yeah, I think one of the best parts about working with a financial planner, and we've had a number of them as guests on the show here, is they can really 
integrate. You know, they can pull in the right insurance product at the right time to protect you if you've got young children. You know, the right disability insurance product if your you know, employer doesn't have it. Um, they can determine the right fees and the right asset mix, the right asset allocation, just different things where the average person doesn't have time enough to become an expert here. That's why you would hire a financial planner. And if the first one doesn't fit fit mm-hmm. for you, then go to somebody else, right? I mean, that's yeah. the thing is to find somebody that works. And that's a great point, Elaine, too, because sometimes we just default into using the financial planner at the same bank that we've always went to. Maybe our parents went to yeah. them as well. Absolutely. And, you know, nothing against financial planners that are associated with banks, no. but sometimes you want to look a little bit more broadly and, yeah. you know, someone independent they're going to have access to the bank's products, but they're not going to be beholden to them as well. Exactly. So as with anything in life, you want to ask the hard questions, you know, how is the person going to be compensated? Are they going to be acting in your best interest or their best interest? Because there are some differences. Yeah. You know, what are their qualifications? And then I would even ask, you know, do you have a couple of clients that you've worked with for a number of years, you know, not the last six months, five years or more that would, I could call and ask a few questions about your service. And if it doesn't feel right, move on to the next one. Move on. It's too important. Okay. Number two, who's the Mm -hmm. best person to have? Another one. Number two, and this is absolutely if you're self-employed or if you have any kind of complexity in your taxes, an accountant. You need an accountant if you're going to be dealing with CRA to file your taxes, to file your GST. A lot of the stuff you can do yourself, but the laws change so often. And the amount of folks that I see where they've just made honest mistakes over time, but an accumulation of honest mistakes to CRA can start to look like intentional mistakes. And then CRA can suddenly hit you with interest, with penalties, um, you know, diff- different things like that that can make it really tough to get out of a tax debt. And again, if you've got an accountant and it, it's not working well, move on because there's lots and lots and lots of good people out there who have great ideas, who have lots of uh, information that can help you figure this out. Yeah, you got to find the right fit. You know, if you sit down with somebody and you get the sense that, you know, they're just talking for their benefit and using all the terms that you don't understand. And exactly. At the, at the end of a meeting, you've heard their voice, but they haven't heard yours. Well, that, that's not the right fit. Yeah. Right. And you don't need to go, you know, the, the large accounting firms, you know, the multinationals. Usually you can find a small accounting firm in your community. You can find, you know, some of the, the ones that advertise all the time about tax returns. That might even be fine for, you know, a small self-employed person. Um, But the big thing is just getting some advice because the number of people um, that I sit down with where they've gotten no advice and they've just gotten scared and paralyzed after a while, they just stop filing the taxes altogether. Sometimes people go 10 years not filing taxes. The government chases them. They're seizing their wages. They're always looking over their shoulders. If you've got a good accountant, the accountant will know, even if it's bad news, get that return filed because you don't want to be in the bucket of a non-filer with CRA. They'll throw the book at you. Another uh, another group of professionals that people tend to avoid as as much as they possibly can. And mm-hmm. in this case... No, you shouldn't. You should get somebody good on your team as a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, in many cases, it's probably a good sign in your life if you you don't need a lawyer for something, you know, catastrophic. But um, there are a number of situations where, uh, you know, having legal advice at the right time um, can really save you a lot of heartache later on, a lot of financial impact as well. You know, a couple of those situations, one would be beginning of marriage or cohabitation. So the BC Family Relations Act has changed in the last few years. You know, if you're dating somebody and spending a bunch of sleepovers, not quite married, 
so on and so forth, um, there's a chance that if that relationship breaks up, there could be some liability between the two partners for assets and for debts. Yeah. Uh, if you've worked with a lawyer prior to that, you could talk about a cohabitation agreement, a prenuptial agreement, different things like that. Even if you don't have assets to protect, if one partner has debt, you may want to consider, does it make sense to really set out our various obligations before we go further on into our relationship? And even if a, a prenuptial agreement, all those kinds of terms scare you, mm-hmm. it's much better to at least know about them yes. than to not know about them or to hide your hide 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 from it all. Oh yeah, just to put put the head in the sand, Absolutely. so to speak. You know, and definitely if you've been in an accident or there's been an injury, um, I would say you're almost always better served to have someone advocating on your behalf. And a lot of those lawyers will work on a contingency basis, so you mm-hmm. only pay them if they're successful for you. Yeah, or if you need them on an appointment per basis, and mm-hmm. all those. Lot, there's lots and lots and lots of flexibility yeah. in seeing a lawyer. One th- piece of advice I'd give our listeners here is if you don't know how to find a lawyer and you think you need one, there is the BC Lawyer Referral Service. So if you just type that into Google, BC Lawyer Referral Sur- Service, you can get referred to a lawyer. You pay $50 for the first consultation. Um, you know, $50 hopefully is not an insurmountable burden for most people, and you'll definitely feel better You yeah. know that you'll get some advice there. Absolutely. And the fourth person, do do do, you get to toot your own horn <laughs> oh, here. Oh, who could that be? Right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the licensed insolvency trustee. Yeah, so if, if someone's listened to the, to the show for a period of time, I hope they would understand that a licensed insolvency trustee is not somebody that every client comes to see. We put them into bankruptcy, we put them into proposal, and we click next, you know? Mm-hmm. An LIT is a financial professional that's going to look at someone in a debt situation, look at all the potential options that are available to them, and if they need help to restructure, an LIT is the only person that can either file a bankruptcy or file a consumer proposal. And for folks that are listening who don't have debt and hope to never be in that situation, that's great. And I hope we don't meet professionally. But in many, many situations, there's someone in everyone's life. But I would also think it would be you'd be a good person to see just to take a look at where I am right now, mm-hmm. for example, and maybe you see some pitfalls that I haven't seen yeah. yet, or I I haven't you know that I that I'm not anticipating. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I, I, that's part of the fun part of my job is sometimes sitting down with someone and saying, you know, I can see where you're going here, and if we you know do a proposal now, we head off and we stop the bleeding, we adjust the budget, we're going to avoid this catastrophe that's three or four years down the road. You know, I'll sometimes sit down with families and we look at their budget, you know, there's a six or $800 gap between the income and the expenses. And we'll work hard on how do we close that? How do we get the debt payments down so that they don't have to dig deeper each month in debt? Excellent. So for information on any of the services that we've talked about on the show, go to sands-trustee.com or call 1-800-661-3030 for a free consultation and to find an office near you. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We've got a fun segment right now. Uh, Well, fun and informative, I should probably say. Dave Jones, that's who we're going to be talking to. He's currently Chief Constable of the New Westminster Police Department. Uh, he's had he's been in the depart led the department since 2011. Uh, began his policing career back in 1982. Was a volunteer, and then he, he became a full time officer in 1986. Now this is interesting, Dave, and I know you're on the line. And just yep. hang hang out there with me for a second. So worked in a variety of the sections, which I think is really really 
interesting and important information uh, within the police service. So patrol, major crimes, special op unit, drug section, community services, street crimes, as well as part of the joint forces operations uh, in their drug section, operational support unit, and street crimes unit. And I kind of feel like, Dave, you've, you've, you've seen it all. Yeah, it's, and it does feel that way someday. <laughs> I bet it does. I bet it does. Now, the good news about that is that you have this amazing uh, foundation of experience and knowledge about uh, our specific topic that we're going to talk about with you, and that's financial scams and, and how people can protect themselves. And uh, before we get right into questions, etc., I just... I think I feel like we're living in a different time than we were certainly when you started in the force uh, today. I mean, I just feel like we're really vulnerable. You know, we we are right because what we're looking at here no longer is just this kind of local, if you want to call it local scam going around, someone going door to door trying to sell you something. Now we're talking things that happen on an international level, right? They ha- it's you know who's knocking on your computer or your door per se is someone not even in the country and uh, the stories and and different methods of trying to imitate um, valid or realistic companies is out there. It's a far more complex. And sometimes you don't even know. Sometimes you don't even know they're accessing you and your information. Well, that's the thing too, right? We've moved into a digital world and, uh, you know, people are storing, you know, banking information, personal information out in this, uh, you know, internet world and digital world. And people are being able to access it and actually create you, become you. Yeah. And, and Dave, I was just, you know, leading towards this segment, I was really thinking, it seems like on a daily basis, um, there's at least some scam that hits my inbox, or I get a robocall, or I get something going on. And, you know, I know to ignore, delete, you know, hang up the phone and things like that. But it's almost on a daily basis. That's what we're looking at these days. And you're correct with that. And it, and no one is immune from it. It happens on a daily basis, all around on a massive level. And I just use it my own example. Last night, I got a, a notice on my email indicating that apparently I was to update uh, an account of mine. <laughs> and I don't have that account with <laughs> exactly. that company, right? And and, it's, and I certainly don't have it registered. And, and amazing enough, that came to my policing email. Wow. Not, not a personal email. That came to the police department. So hmm. That those phishing scams aren't limited to just, you know, uh, targeting. It's a wide open blast. And that also makes me think that it's a real robotic kind of uh, machine that's behind that uh, to access somebody like you. Like, that's just dumb, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and whether it's just, uh, you know, running random emails or picking up on emails that are going through the system that are seen as being valid ones, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, my email, and it's pretty simple at the work here, but whether it's copied or seen or you call it fished out of someone else's email box, they know it's a legitimate email, so they're sending it back, to, they're sending it out to everybody. Who falls victims to, the, to these scams, Dave? Who, who do you tend to see? Is there a certain profile? Is it all walks of life, ages? Well, I would say all walks of life do fall victim to various scams, but in particular, the ones that are of concern um, and probably the more vulnerable groups are um, the seniors that we see in the community in terms of it, who um, I would say trust government organizations that are being imitated now, right. and uh, and also, you know, they're a, a very trusting group, right? They, they come across with that. And then there's other vulnerable sectors, I would say, that... Um, uh, have are targeted 
because they might not be as sophisticated or understanding or have access to resources to help them out to clarify certain things. Well, I think the other part of it, too, is that you just don't know if these people are legit or not. Like we've we've come across, and I know Blair has, where uh, if somebody's trying to collect money, for example, the kinds of methods that they use are very intimidating. And if you're a law-abiding citizen and have never had a record of any kind and you pay on time and you you know don't have any parking tickets or speeding tickets you just automatically think oh my gosh what what have i done wrong how can i how can i fix this i need to fix this immediately you know and that you're right on that and a lot of people now like some of these scams that are going on they they're actually becoming i say threatening uh, a very common very. one that's out there right now is say is the one using the CRA the yes. Canadian yeah. Revenue Association yeah we've all seen that <laughs> yeah. and people are being told like you're going to be arrested we're going to come we're going to seize your house we're going to do this now people who are not familiar with that agency um, and how they operate or how the police operate with them is you know um, no one's going to come arrest you because you haven't paid your taxes right no one's going to make, make threaten to arrest you in case you didn't do it in terms of it but the issue comes is that they're the material they're putting out is actually imitates like letterhead and that. Exactly. And you've got to be even further cautious because they'll give you a phone number to call, which is actually linked to them. Yeah. Can we talk about that specific scam? Because I know I just done a little bit of reading about it because it hit the sort of mainstream media a few weeks back and it was frightening what I heard. Right. And and so that scam really is playing on people's fears, right? Paying taxes and, and the implications of not paying taxes or doing it right or wrong, in particular, if you make a mistake, scares people in that when they get noticed that, you know, you owe us money, and therefore you need to pay right away. Um, I think there's still that whole almost a mythology about, you know, how you know, the CRA, or of course in the U.S., we see the Internal Revenue Service as this big, mm-hmm. scary monster, if you want to call it. And uh, so people become worried as to what's happening, because like, filing taxes is not always as, as easy as what we all think about, right? And so when you get this, you owe me money and you need to do this now or we will come arrest you or do things, that has really been something we've seen here in New West and even the other day talking to a banking institution in another city where a lot of people are coming in and withdrawing money to send to somebody through a money transfer system. So. To you or I, I'm saying that's completely wrong. No one's going to ask you to withdraw cash and send it through a money transfer mm-hmm. system. But to some people, they're also afraid of, say, interacting with the law. The police, they're afraid they don't want the police to come to their house, that they're going to be in some form of trouble. And at the end of the day, you know, that we try to drive this, and it's been going out, is there's no way the CRA acts in that way. They will send you correspondence. There's no way the police are going to come out and arrest you because you haven't paid your taxes, right, uh, or you owe something in terms of it. And never would there be a cash transaction with a, with a government organization like that. So it's difficult because we keep driving that message out there. And then we have to go further to warn them to say, you know, if you're going to ask for something, or if you think something's suspicious or whatever, you know, hang up the phone and call them back, but don't ask for a number from them. Because right. it's so easy for them to give you a number, which is really ringing beside the person committing the fraud. Exactly, and that's the one that I was uh, thinking about specifically. That that one that that they have that they give you a number to call to call your bank. You need to call your bank. This is the number, and so you call the bank. Or it's not even they don't even give you the number, but they've already accessed your phone line in some way. Right. That then uh, they just continue to. Um, 
disguise themselves as that institution. Yeah, even their caller ID can show oh up as CRA, gosh. right? Oh yeah. my gosh, that <laughs> that's just frightening to me. Uh, I mean, and I'm a pretty knowledgeable, you know, aware person, um, and I get sucked in, and I really have to listen, or I really have to read something before I know for sure this is a scam. And one little one that I always find amusing is when I get the email from CRA, CRA and saying, dear taxpayer, and I thought of all the correspondence I've received from Canada Revenue, <laughs> they've never said, dear, dear taxpayer. Taxpayer <laughs> to me before. Well, and people need to understand that they have, you know, CRA legitimately will have a lot of, has a lot of personal information on you from social insurance numbers and stuff like that. But generally you have a code with CRA, like a personal identifying number that only you'll be able to get from the CRA. And again, uh, you know, the big stress is that there you, CRA is still generally going to communicate you through the mail. It's going to send it to you. And anything that comes in that you don't know about is, it's just simply you look up the number, you look up for the agency, and you ask them, don't call them and say, hey, I owe you money. How much can I confirm this? It is, I received some correspondence. What is it you're looking for, right, right in terms of it, and by contacting them directly? And, you know, I had my own experience recently with my, uh, you know, I have an elderly parent, my mom, and she was in, involved with something with CRA. And uh, it was, although it was legitimate, it, it required, and some good thinking on her part was, no, she hung up the phone, called me, because yep. she's fortunate, I guess, to have a son in policing. <laughs> yes, and I'd I, call you too, Dave. <laughs> and I simply told her she did the right thing, and I, and I phoned CRA back, and I was actually critical of them calling her in the way they did and what they were asking, but they got it, right? And, uh, and as it turned out, it was legitimate, but it took a bit to, you know, as, uh, as we try to talk to people, saying, when you get a phone call, just say no on the phone, hang up, and, and if it was your bank or... BC Hydro or someone, look up the number yourself and then call them and ask them if there's something they need to talk to you about. Dave, what are some tips for someone to keep in mind, you know, or some warning signs of, of a scam? How does someone know, um, you know, that, that they might be at risk? Well, the first the first thing is, is that you indicated there where it's like a dear taxpayer, where it's a non-personal mm. type address to somebody, where it's like, you know, hey, Mr. Ac- or dear account holder or subscriber. Um, the other one is, is, is just unsolicited. Like, you know, if you've paid your bills to a corporation and you know you're paying your bills, is that all of a sudden you get something that looks suspicious in terms of it, um, it, or it's unique that you never get correspondence from somebody, you suddenly receive that correspondence in terms of it, even though the letterhead in that may look legitimate. The other one, too, is is where... um, you know, you're going to look for, um, I would call, uh, foreign numbers, right, to return back to, or odd emails. You know, the, the government of Canada has a very, you know, set email structure in terms of how they how they respond. And if I think about it like the RCMP, where it's always rcmp-grc-gc.ca. I know that, right? And we become familiar with it. When it says, you know, www.scam.rcmp. <laughs> that's not a legitimate email address right. in terms of it. And the other one too is, is is this whole idea of asking you for money or funds. And and I think of this like in the um, lottery winning schemes, asking you to pay money right. or put up money for something that you're not familiar with. I mean, that is the first telltale sign, right? Hey, you owe me money. Hey, you owe us this. Or, hey, pay this because you won that. These are the just generally 
um, you know, I'd hate to say this, you shouldn't trust anything that comes to you unsolicited in that manner. That's a really, really good point to start with, certainly. We've been talking with Dave Jones. He's currently Chief Constable of the New Westminster Police uh, Department and has been since 2011. Dave, thanks so much for joining us today. No problem. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. If you have any questions or want information about being in debt and how you can possibly help yourself out, sands-trustee.com is their website, or you can give them a call at 1-800-661-3030 for a free consultation. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. On the line with us is Bart Goth from Goth & Company, a debt management expert. He's a licensed insolvency trustee, just like Blair is. Uh, Bart is with Goth & Company, which is a firm of licensed insolvency trustees across Edmonton. So we're talking to him in Edmonton today. He's been working in the insolvency field since 1993, finds it, of course, very rewarding and helping clients recognize they're not alone and giving them lots of options to end debt stress and return to a place where they can enjoy life again. And Bart, that just seems to be one of the nicest things. Uh, if that's your goal on a daily basis to help folks find some peace, man, oh man, you've got a good job. It is very rewarding. Uh, it, it's easy to leave at the end of the day and feel like you've done some good. I know that's how Blair feels as well. And uh, I feel a little envious that you guys are <laughs> sort of so such hands-on with folks that when they walk in the door, Bart, they're just at at ends as as to how they de- how they can deal with their debt, and and uh, you guys are both able to give them so much uh, so much assistance and guidance and and help. It's lovely. Well, we're fortunate to be in a position in a part of a country where we have options that exist. In some parts of the world, they don't have the same type of options available. Yeah, that's a really good point. Now, I did note in the as we introduced you uh, that you've been doing this work since 1993, and something I'm always interested in is sort of trends and changes because I feel like every decade there's a new set of things that we're aware of that we weren't aware of before. Um, how do you find the situations that folks are in today versus uh, 25 years ago? Really, I'd just say they're magnified. Um, I, I was pretty young when I started in this industry, but I, I was always shocked at the, the amount of debt that people could get themselves into. Um, and that's just become worse and worse. Uh, it, the banks are so willing to, to allow people to qualify as the government's kept interest rates low and, and made it easy to, to afford additional debt. That just has magnified itself over and over year from year. Yeah, I heard somebody describe, you know, the low interest rate environment. It's been like an open bar at a wedding for the last <laughs> 10 years. And, you know, government's expecting people to exercise moderation, but, you know, definitely not everybody is. No, I had someone the other day who said, free money. We've been given free money. <laughs> the problem is that free money doesn't last forever. And at some point you have to pay that back and it's no longer free. Yeah, right. no, that's a really good point. I have, I have to uh, shamefully admit, I've used that term as well uh, <laughs> when it comes to some things because it feels like it's free when your interest is so so low. Why wouldn't you borrow this amount or that amount or make this big purchase? Absolutely, yeah. it's very difficult to have the restraint that probably more of us should. 
And I know, um, Bart, in, in Vancouver here in the lower mainland, the rising real estate prices, they've insulated a lot of people who, you know, should have gotten into trouble, but then the house kept going up and they just pulled out equity over time. Um, but I know Alberta in the last couple of years with the oil sands, that kind of rising tide has stopped with, with real estate, or at least that's my perception. I'm curious what you're seeing, you know, have, have real estate really leveled off? Has that been a trigger for some people having to deal with their debts? Real estate's leveled off, but there's still been the availability of a lot of credit out there outside of the use of the home. So I don't know if it's necessarily been the the trigger for people coming into my office. I think in in Alberta, we've largely seen the the change in oil prices impact the changes in income. And I think it's those changes in income that have been the driver for the last couple of years. Um, We haven't seen a huge correction on our real estate, at least not in the major centers like Edmonton. Um, okay. But if you look into the smaller areas, predominantly the oil field communities, right, way up north, there's been a dramatic change in those values. So in those communities, it's been a lot more influential. Uh, I think it's just going to be a trickle-down effect. I think people are going to realize that, that this is coming as they start to see that happen. I think there's going to be more and more people in the major centers that are impacted. I know that Alberta has really suffered in all kinds of different ways, too, with the with the oil price and uh, how people are purchasing things and and traveling and all those kinds of things would you say that you do you see that kind would you are the people who are coming in your door bart do they sort of reflect that as well I wish they reflected that notion of cutting back a little bit more. They may not be in my door. I think too often people have locked themselves into a lifestyle and they've elected to finance the quad or finance the snowmobile and do that on top of the truck and the house at at large payments that originally were okay. But a lot of those types of payments aren't things you can easily adjust if if your wages get adjusted. Right, so they got really high fixed costs, and you know, returning the assets can be difficult. And I'm not sure if the legislation in Alberta may be different than BC from a seize or sue perspective. Um, but yeah, I could see if if you've really ratcheted your all your fixed costs up when the income takes a hit, it's really difficult to deal with that situation. Yeah, the the majority of lending in our province, in terms of seize or, seize or sue, doesn't directly apply. It does in specific scenarios. Been a lot of scenarios. Those items that have been financed, the banks can still come after the shortfall. So that's that's been a challenge for many. Hmm. I'm wondering, Bart, are there, are there certain you know typical cases that you're seeing the, these days? Any um, you know specific examples you'd be able to share of folks coming through the door and the type of solutions that they're looking for you to provide? Well, in terms of the people coming through the door, as, as you well know, it's every walk of life, right? right. It's <laughs> someone who worked oil field, it's someone who's oil field services, it's people that are three levels removed, but because the money's not there, it's, it's impacted their ability to, to make a living. And so, I mean, what we see in our office, it really doesn't change that much from day to day. We, we see a variety of people. We see uh, a number of, of unsecured and secured debts, and, and they all add up to be far more than what the income is able to handle. Mm-hmm. Even, even in situations where there hasn't been a dramatic change in income, even sometimes just small changes to the interest rates like we've seen lately have done that. And so we will sit down, and probably very similar to what you do, Blair, is we we look at their cash flow. That's where I start with everything. Is I, I want to see how much is coming in and how much is going out. Yeah. And most people that I see, they're upside down on that cash flow. Mm. So then we have to walk through the the various options that uh, that allow that cash flow to at least break even and hopefully have some positive edge to it. And so bankruptcies are, are one option. Uh, I find the vast majority of people prefer to avoid a bankruptcy. 
the number one way that I see that being done is through a consumer proposal, which allows them to propose a, a settlement to pay a portion of the debt over time. Mm-hmm. And it works very well for people. It really brings the debt down to a level that's manageable within the budget. Uh, and most people prefer that to many of the other alternatives. And what, what's a reasonable ballpark on, on a proposal for the clients you see in Alberta? How much of the debt are they typically offering to pay back? We're often somewhere around a third of the debt. I mean, so very really, consistent, yeah. Yeah, it really depends on the types of assets they have. It depends on their level of income, but, but I'm sure we're pretty similar to what you guys see out there. I would think the diff- one of the differences between uh, what happens in the Lower Mainland and what happens in, in Edmonton, for example, my hometown, by the way, Bart, Ooh, I just wanted oh, to throw yeah. that in, Bart, um, is the, the volume or the, um, or the amount of, of debt that's involved I- in, the, in the folks coming through your door. I mean, we look at, at Vancouver and the Lower Mainland and our real estate prices are just insane and the amount of money that people have and, and put into their homes or, or borrow in order to purchase that's got to be different than what the folks in in Edmonton and environs are are experiencing. I would expect so. It would be interesting to to compare the statistics on that, but I've never done so. I mean, the cost of a house here is is a fraction of what it is in the lower mainland. Sure. And so people just aren't strapped that way. But I think what happens oftentimes when you're a resource-based economy like us, um, when there's large amounts of money available, and, and for a long time, you know, somebody could come out of high school and make six figures very easily just by working up in Fort McMurray. It's really good point, Bart. That's a really good point. Well, and, and that just gives them early access in their young years to, mm-hmm. to a lot of available credit. So their unsecured credit, we find, is often quite high in a setting like that, even if they don't have the, the same stresses for the cost of living that might be there. Right. And of course, anybody who was working at Fort Mac often couldn't afford to live in Fort Mac because the cost was so great. And so I know so many folks who would go back and forth between uh, Edmonton, even Kelowna and the Okanagan, the oil companies were running jets on a daily basis, bringing folks to and from their their jobs. Almost a, a surreal experience. Yeah, it's a different world and we don't see very much of that anymore. Those, those costs of living in Fort McMurray have, have largely corrected themselves, and, yeah. and we'll see where things go from there. Bart, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. This has been, it's been a great, great time. Bart is a licensed insolvency trustee with Goth and a company, uh, Goth and Company out of Edmonton, Alberta, working in the field since 1993. If any of this information resonates with you or situations you've heard about feel like you want to find out a little bit more, easy to do. Uh, Bart is very accessible at, at uh, gothandcompany.com. If you'd like to stay in British Columbia, if that makes sense for you, uh, Sands and Associates, very easy to get a hold of. They've got a 1-800 number. It's 661-3030 for that free consultation and to find an office near you. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.